Good evening and welcome to the show. Well, in Britain, debates about the BBC have reached a level of intensity that would make many people watching this show envious. The two topics being debated are funding and impartiality. You could reduce them to one simple question. Why are we being forced to pay for this rubbish? But that's not quite how they phrase it in the British press. So let's look at them separately. The impartiality debate was sparked by former soccer star Gary Lineker, now the BBC's main soccer commentator and highest paid employee. On March 8, Lineker posted a tweet comparing the Tory government's stop the boats policy, a phrase lifted holus bolus from Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott, by the way, to the language used by the Nazi party in Germany in the 1930s. Well, controversy ensued. Many people, including Tory members of parliament, called for Lineker to be sacked. Of course he wasn't. His one week suspension was little more than lip service to the critics before the BBC resumed its woke businesses, business as usual. It's gone woke and now it's going broke, but we'll get to that in a minute. As Brendan O'Neill put it on Spiked Online, quote, the BBC's climb down in the Lineker scandal suggests the self-serving insurgents have won, scoring yet another victory for their political dogma and cultural clout and a blow, in this case, to the ideal of having a nationally funded neutral broadcaster. A neutral broadcaster! How much would one of those cost us? O'Neill went on. Cue the, former the further colonisation of the institutions by the woke and the shrinking of the space for different or just non-ideological ways of thinking. This controversy didn't generate much heat in Australia, partly because we've got our own woke nonsense going on anyway, but the ABC did oblige with an opinion piece almost as question questionable as Lineker's original tweet. Australian Catholic University academic Miles Pattenden wrote on the ABC's website that the ABC was legally required to gather and present news and information with impartiality and present a diversity of perspectives so that over time, no ideas or beliefs are disproportionately represented. Well, technically this is correct. Then Pattenden wrote, presumably with a straight face, quote, everyone who works for the ABC strives to achieve this balance, which is not to say that they are without their own personal opinions. Everyone who works for the ABC strives to achieve this balance. That's like saying the Wuhan Virology Lab was striving to give grandma natural immunity to COVID. Pattenden said impartiality was particularly important now in the year of the proposed referendum about an indigenous voice to parliament. Which is even more hilarious because, as The Australian reported on February 27, the ABC has taken the unprecedented step of reminding journalists they must be objective when reporting on The Voice ahead of the referendum. 
An email to staff on Monday outlines that a deep dive session into impartiality will discuss some knotty editorial policy issues and how reporters should ensure they do not favour one view on the Indigenous voice to Parliament. It goes on to explain that staff are about to embark on one of the most difficult and consequential stories of recent times. I guess they needed to be reminded to strive to achieve balance. The voice to parliament debate is more complex than you probably imagine. On January 26, Marsha Langton wrote an opinion piece in The Australian describing Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's process for establishing a voice to parliament as elegant. ABC star Patricia Carvelas took a photo of the piece and for the benefit of her followers who didn't have a subscription to The Australian, posted it on Twitter with the comment, quote, powerful piece of writing by Marsha Langton, unquote. Most ADH viewers and other sensible Australians would describe Albo's clumsy way of rushing us into this referendum as anything but elegant. More like divisive and dangerous. Well, wouldn't you know it, but those are the words used by a woman called Bridget Caldwell Bright in a response to Carvella's post. Hard disagree, she said. This is a divisive and dangerous piece erasing the work of Lydia Thorpe and other Greens in the Senate." Unquote. And who is Bridget Caldwell, Caldwell Bright, you ask? Well, she is the ABC's editorial policy advisor, an Aboriginal woman, and one of the people who conducted the deep dive into impartiality for ABC staff. So an editorial policy advisor publicly disagrees with an ABC star over an opinion regarding the voice to parliament because it was, and you can't make this up, not left wing enough. To repeat the question I posed at the start of this, why are we being forced to pay for this rubbish? Well, the modern ABC was created as a result of the Dix Report, which was presented to federal parliament in 1981. Two of its minor recommendations, two of its major recommendations, I should say, were that the ABC should no longer manage the various state symphony orchestras and that the broadcasting arm must become more commercial, dynamic, accessible, and reflective of Australia's more confident, brash culture. It's easy to see these two recommendations as being related. Never mind all that elitist classical music stuff, start producing the sort of content that commercial networks were broadcasting. And initially, it worked a treat. Here's a sample from the legendary ABC TV show, Australia, You're Standing In It, in 1983. Is going to lead a discussion on taxation. Right. Um, like, 
Tim and I have chosen not to pay taxation in yes. the plebeian sense of the word tax. As a comment, right? right. Not because of the money. Right. <laughs> like, what we pay is a really special, unique cerebral tax. Cerebral so. tax, right, Debbie. I don't know if you know I know, I know. I thought I know. you might. Um, but most people only ever tax one-eighth of their brain space, right? right? right. Which leaves, I mean, it's just the tip of the cerebral iceberg, wow. right? Which leaves the other seven-eighths of the cerebral iceberg lying below the pencil line of the subconsciousness. Right? right? And just sitting there, wasting right. time. Right, twiddling right. its lobes. Right, when, when it could be creatively thinking. I mean, if you put the cerebral iceberg in a think tank bottom of the harbour type situation, right. you could be thinking of incredible ways to beat the fascist, monetarist taxation system, right? I know, system, I know, right? I know. And, but, but which the, the so-called um, socialist the, realist government, which we longed the, for for so long, right, um, doesn't realise because they're not marine economists. Little did the ABC know then that that skit would one day satirise the ABC itself. ABC staff are expected to fight the fascist monetarist taxation system next week by going on strike for more pay. Many of the people who pay the taxes that finance their wages won't notice, of course, because they don't watch the ABC anyway. Which brings me back to the other debate about the BBC in Britain. The BBC is funded by a special licence fee, which is imposed on households with televisions. It's currently £159, or about 290 Australian dollars a year. The fee is earmarked to be scrapped in four years. What happens to the BBC then is now the subject of constant debate. Some people say it should survive on advertising, like the other free-to-air networks. But that is not very practical. The free-to-air advertising industry in Britain is about £4 million a year. The BBC's annual budget is £3.8 million, which is a fairly good sign of how bloated and wasteful it has become, much like our own ABC. Nadine Dorries, who was the Cultural's Culture Secretary under Boris Johnson, said last year, quote, I am in favour of freezing the licence fee until a full review of how the BBC is funded, is completed, and alternatives explored." Unquote. Well, how much would you pay for an Australian minister to say something like that? Instead, all we get is endless increases in the ABC's budget, even under supposedly conservative governments. So it can push the sort of garbage that ordinary taxpaying Australians care very little about. The ABC often struggles to hide its contempt for ordinary Australians. When the violence on the streets of Alice Springs became a national story last month, concerned residents and business owners held a meeting to voice their worries. The ABC described the meeting as a, quote, white supremacist fest, unquote. In a rare admission of error, the ABC then apologised through gritted teeth. Quote, ABC News apologises to audiences for providing in an incomplete picture of the event in this instance, unquote.
See what they did there? Apologising to audiences is one thing, but what about the millions of people who pay for this rubbish who weren't even listening to it? But while the ABC is providing incomplete coverage of a meeting of concerned Alice Springs residents, it was providing very complete coverage of another event in Alice this month. Nothing disproportionately represented there, then. In the deluded mindset that prevails at the ABC, all Australians support the broadcaster. At the ABC's gala 90th anniversary dinner in August last year, Chairman Ita Buttrose said, quote, The ABC is a very special Australian institution because it always has belonged to and been shaped by our listeners and viewers. We have spoken to, with and for Australians wherever they live for 90 years. They trust us and we value their trust. Speak for yourself, Ita. I'm a fundamental supporter of free speech. If you want to hold a Mardi Gras in Alice, feel free to cover yourself in sequins and dance till dawn. If you want to debate the virtues of the voice to parliament from varying perspectives to the left of Karl Marx, Dust off your Che Guevara t-shirt and knock yourself out. But I think I, a lot of viewers here would join me in saying, just don't ask us to pay for it. Well, that's all from me. Thanks for watching. And a special thanks to Pam and Dave of Fernie Creek, who are this show's most dedicated watchers. We have the wonderful Professor David Flint up at 8pm, talking to, among other people, the new boss of the Australian Republican movement, Jai Mat Martinkovitz. Here's a sample. Only about 28% of, of the electorates voted yes. And they were concentrated in the inner cities. And those are the, you could call, often call them the teal electorates. This is where the elites are. And there, there is a difference between the Australian population of those who tend to flock to the inner city elite electorates and those in the rest of the country. Is he describing Republicans or ABC viewers? You'll have to tune in at 8 p.m. to find out. And have a look around our app and our website, adh.tv, for all the latest from ADH's rapidly growing stable of stars, including Daisy Cousins, Alexandra Marshall, Nick Cater, Lyle Shelton and more. Or look for us wherever you get your podcasts. ADH is the new home for common sense commentary, and there's no shortage of things to comment about these days. 
I'll see you again on Monday at 7pm. Have a great weekend with those you love. Good night.